Welcome to Successful Aging, the podcast designed to introduce you to industry professionals who will share information and resources related to aging. I'm your host, Judy Porter, the Development Director from the Nashua Senior Activities Center. Let's get started. listeners. I'm so happy that you're joining us for the podcast of Nashua Senior Center Successful Aging. And today's guest is Wendy Sage Mansis, the Senior Advisor from Bridges by Epic at Nashua up on Amherst Street. Wendy has years of experience in the senior care industry, and many people will recognize her voice from many of the volunteer events that she has done at the Nashua Senior Center. She has been the co-chair for many years of our largest fundraiser, Fire Infusion, an executive chef competition. So welcome to the show, Wendy. Well, thank you, Judy. I'm happy to be here. So Wendy is going to chat with us today a little bit about senior living and how you plan for it and all of the different conversations that that leads to. So Wendy, how do, you, how do you start the conversation? How do you plan for senior living? Now, I do think it's very different for every family. Um, I've, I've heard everything from people who have sat with their parents or loved ones years earlier and sort of had those conversations and I've met with families who have called me in the middle of a crisis and needed to move their loved one in the next day. So I think uh, while it's not always the most easiest of conversations, it's certainly one that needs to become, you know, I guess if you, you say it just more acceptable to have. So I know, obviously I work in this industry and so my children have been around what I've been doing and they've been in our communities and they understand what senior living is probably more so than I did when I even first started in this industry. And I tell them all the time, when it's time, it's okay. And I think that's probably the best words you could say to your family members who might they be making these decisions on your behalf. There are books out there that can guide you through these conversations. Uh, I think, you know, there are books out there that can help you pre-plan a funeral. Well, why aren't we pre-planning for in this instant, if I need further care, if I can no longer be at home, what do I want for myself? And how can I make it easier for my loved ones that will be making these decisions on my behalf? And I think it's okay to not want to move to, uh, into a community. But I think it's also something that you have to understand when somebody's making that decision for you, they've most of the time decided it's the best thing for you. So how can we get from point A to point B and understand everything in between that has to happen or what the different options are or how you can help be a part of those decisions before it's too late. It's just a, it's a huge conversation. And I think that many of the podcasts that I've done so far have focused a great deal on conversations within the family and pre-planning. 
And a key is to have that conversation and to realize there are certain realities that you can't just necessarily say, I don't ever want to be put any place. That there is a reality that at some point for your own safety, you may need to be um, in some type of a community. Right. And it's not always for your own safety. It might be for your caregiver's safety, or it might be because your adult child can't take on anymore. Perhaps they're in the middle of raising their own family and working a full-time job and attending to other needs. And as much as they want to be there for their aging parent, it might just not be possible without putting them at risk too, or something going undone for somebody else in the family. So I, you're right. I think it's, it's open conversation and it's a hard conversation. I, being in this industry, I, I, I could tell you story after story, sitting at the table, being on the other end of the phone with family members, and I've heard it all. But in my own family, I watched my mom and my aunt struggle mightily with the decision to place my grandma when the time was right, because they had promised my grandpa years prior that they would never do it. And so the guilt that they placed upon themselves by that little statement years and years earlier was really hard for them to overcome. And it probably cost them countless hours of sleep and, and care giving that they had to do that somebody else could have been giving. And really probably safety and comfort and overall general care for my grandma at that point. So um, get a notebook, get a book, go to the internet. I, I believe like AARP has on their website, they have tools that can be used to help future plan. And start that discussion. And part of that discussion has to be the finances. And there are many adult children where their parents and other elder family members do not want to share that information on exactly what the finances look like because you can't have a complete view of how you would proceed without that key piece of information. Right, because that's the difference between where you're looking and where you shouldn't be looking. Uh, I just, I actually just left Illinois for, I saw my parents for the first time in over a year. And on our way to the airport yesterday, I was having some of these conversations with my mom. Uh, you know, a little bit about, because I know my, you know, my dad, is a veteran and I wanted her to know that there were benefits there. All these things that I tell all the families I work with, but have I told my own family? And from there, letting her know, I don't wanna be your financial power of attorney because that's not my strong suit, but I can help make the other decisions. And so when you're looking at your family or your close circle of friends, who do you trust to be in charge of making those decisions for you? And perhaps it's not your adult child. Maybe it's not your spouse. You know, is there somebody else that you, you want making those decisions for you, whether it's trusting them or just not wanting to quote unquote burden them. But the financial piece becomes really important because as you may know, there are certain communities like ours where we are a private pay model. And so you have to have uh, long-term care insurance or 
cash assets or a home to sell in order to pay for the care here. Whereas there are other instances, maybe it's a nursing home or maybe it's the Choices for Independence program where you can provide, get care at home that they will accept Medicaid. But oh, by the way, make sure you know how to apply for Medicaid. And that's where many other service providers in our area can come into play because that's a whole nother ball game in and of itself. Yes, and we can't say that enough and we can't encourage people enough to start early with that because of that five-year look back. You, by the time you know you need it, it's already too late to really be applying, that you're going to lose some benefits there. So this is a conversation you need to have before you need the care. 100%. So let's talk a little bit about that stigma and the guilt of placing a loved one in uh, a community. Well, if I could give any advice to any caregiver or adult child or spouse of somebody that they are caring for, I, I wish I could take away any feelings of guilt. Humans, and so that's probably going to happen. Um, and I think our company vice president, her name is Alicia Siever. She's our vice president of memory care operations, and she does a lot of education and speaks a lot about this. Uh, about how do you know it's time for memory care assisted living? How do you know that you can continue to do your home, provide home care? You know, a lot of that stuff that is just education. And one of the things she will say to caregivers is sometimes placing your loved one could be the greatest gift you ever give them because first of all, it provides them safety. It provides them socialization. It provides them nursing oversight, medication management, whatever that all entails. But then you step aside and oh, by the way, if you gift them a community where they're getting all of that, all of a sudden as a caregiver, your, your sense of burden is it's lifted, but a little bit of relief. And just by doing that, you kind of get to step back into whatever role it is that you are. Are you the daughter, the son, the spouse, the niece, the grandchild, the good friend? Can you just resume that relationship? And you don't have to worry about being the caregiver. You get to be the loved one and you get to laugh with them instead of worrying about if they've taken their medications. Get to visit and have lunch together instead of worrying about, okay, after lunch, I have to make sure we get to the doctor's appointment and we don't miss our medications and thinking about what's coming tomorrow. I, I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where as caregivers we're free of the burden of guilt, but boy, I wish we would Absolutely. And I think that the other piece that people need to think about is when you take on that responsibility of caring for a loved one, many, many people, most people don't have that background in home care. And so I encountered this with my own father when he was doing hospice at home. Um, for a brain tumor. And I, I 
I didn't know the right way to move him. And the visiting nurses came in and wanted to know how he had gotten a bruise. And I literally, it was from moving him incorrectly. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was doing the best I could. And I didn't realize that a little bit of training in what I was doing would have gone a long way because as much as I was trying, I didn't know the proper procedures of what I should be doing. So I think that people need to, to look at that too. You may have the best of intentions, but you don't have the education and the skill unless you go through some training to even properly handle people and really care for your loved one the way that they should be. Yeah, and I, I mean, you just were talking about hospice. I mean, so when you're getting to that level of care, um, first of all, I do hope a provider has spoken to you about hospice because what a what a gift it is. I, and I'll use that word often because I do think that a lot of the service providers, they are gifts being given to you. Um, but it's support not only for the person who needs the hospice care, but for the family as and you're right, um, you know, even just the simple act of repositioning or making sure dietary needs are being met, all of that stuff, it is, it's, if it's being managed by a medical professional, it's just that much better. And again, the burden comes off of your shoulders. And, and you know that you're doing the right thing for your loved one. Um, and I have seen the inside of many communities. And I think you've heard me say this many times at networking events that, wow, I think many people have this idea in their mind of what they think a community looks like and how it functions and how the people are treated and the types of foods that they eat. And many, many, many communities are beautiful on the inside and they are nothing like the stereotypes that so many people have in their minds. Well, because uh, 40 years ago, those stereotypes were true. And when you think about movies or TV shows? How do those places get portrayed? Uh, and so we all grow up thinking, you don't ever put me there, you know, make sure I, you know, you don't allow me to be in a place like that. Well, everything has changed. And, and I mean, everything. Um, nursing homes, it's a highly regulated industry. Um, and of course, yeah, sometimes you hear about the bad stuff, but don't forget about the good stuff because it far outweighs everything. So besides the regulations, um, just the training of staff is leaps and bounds what it used to be. The food, it's probably in our community, one of our biggest focuses, which, and I think like fire infusion, what does that highlight more than how incredible the dining programs are in senior living and not only in this area, but just in general. It's one, of the, it's one of the focuses because for so many residents in whatever community, the kitchen table is where they spend a lot of their time. It's sometimes where they have control, the most control. I'll eat this, I won't eat that, give me this. 
I want more of that. Oh, now I'm skipping lunch. Just give me all the desserts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, so it's a focus. And and so you're right. We we've, we've spent years and we'll spend many more years overcoming that stigma. And so programs like this, it, it's great because it does allow us to tell our story. Um, we have beautiful websites that people can visit. And now, you know, finally, although very stringently, we are allowing families to come back in and tour prior to place of one. And that's pretty much statewide at this point. For the past year, families were placing their loved ones sight unseen other than a Zoom tours, you know, pictures that we could email. I mean, think about that. Boy, the level of trust they had to place in a community at that point was something we'd never heard of before. So yeah, that stigma. I wish I could erase that and the guilt. So now that's two things I want to get rid of, but that's okay because I think what helps us do that is just over time, you know, the, the trust we earn from family members, the care that we're providing to our residents, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Our residents are happy in our community, in other communities, in whatever setting they're in, for the most part, residents are happy and well cared for and thriving. It is over time. And it is as, as people, as more people continue to age and that the senior demographic grows, you're starting to, I think, see more empowerment of that demographic from people 50 and up and more engagement in asking questions, in wanting to be knowledgeable and the industry itself being very open and saying, please come tour our communities, having participating in events like Fire Infusion to show people that these are award-winning chefs that are cooking the food for your loved one. It's not just some stuff out of a number 10 can that they're heating up and, and putting on a plate and that's it. Um, it was some interesting data that I read the other day that dealt with the advertising overall in the US and that people 50 and up in 28% of the ads compared to 5% with people in a younger demographic are portrayed in a negative light. And so when you look at the impact overall, that aging in our society, it's a cultural shift that's taking place where the silver economy will start going forward and people will become, perhaps aging won't be as negatively viewed. That we're, if, we're all, if we have the privilege to be able to age, that it won't be so negative. Yes, other than the creaky knees, right? <laughs> but I, I think you're right. And so just in our community alone, um, yeah, so we go through orientation. So any new staff member that comes here, they go through a three-day orientation. And I get the pleasure of sharing with them a lot of the good stuff that we do when I'm doing my piece of orientation. And one of the points I drive home is get to know our residents because they have some of the most amazing stories you'll ever know. And we want to know those stories from their family members. We sit and listen to them all the time, you know, tell us some of the 
the greatest stories and events and, and accomplishments that you'll ever know. And uh, you're right that, I mean, every, I, Facebook, I am a big fan of social media most of the time, but you know, you see all these memes sometimes and it's, you know, talk to your parents or your grandparents now because you'll regret the day when they aren't there. To so they're, they're walking history books. And so why wouldn't we want to learn from that, you know, the really the eldest side of the population so that as we're aging, we've learned from them and then we have our own stories to share as well. Uh, and so, you're right, I think aging 60s, the new 70s, 70s, the new 80. Um, and I think we can showcase that in all kinds of ways, whether it be through the programs that happen in senior living, the seniors that are volunteering. Uh, I know RISE is out there. Um, seniors are still seeking different types of education. So, I mean, my mom is 70 years old and she's pretty darn computer savvy. So I want to be her when I grow up. And you will be because throughout your career, you're learning and you have all these skills. So as you age, that demographic 50 and upward continues to change. The Nashua Senior Center, we uh, are open to everyone 50 and better. And we cut across all ages. So 50 to 60, 60 to 70, we have all kinds of skills that people have. Some are computer literate, some aren't. Everyone's looking for something different. And we try to offer something that would appeal to all kinds of tastes from Here's how you use Zoom and your smartphone. We do cooking classes that uh, some of your chefs have generously hosted some wonderful cooking classes. People are always interested in that. So we try to keep people learning and engaged. And I know that at many, many of the senior living communities, I see the activities that go on. And it's that same level of engagement. And every people are happy. And I can say that from going into a lot of the different communities. For the most part, people are pretty happy doing some activities. Well, if we think about life in general, um, it's, it's those things that bring us moments of joy that we work for. So why do we all spend 40 or 50 hours a week working it so that we have that income to do things we enjoy doing? As kids, you know, we can't wait to get out of school so we can go hang out and play with our friends. And so it doesn't have to change as we age or as our healthcare needs change, it might just look a little different. So we do exercise in our community every day. Most of it's chair-based, but we're still exercising. We paint. We sing, we go on walks, and that's, again, throughout this entire industry because life doesn't have to stop, the good part of life, I guess I should say, if you find yourself living in a senior living community. It just might look a little different. It's probably a little more fun because we're cleaning everything up when it's all done. <laughs> you have someone cooking for you, someone cleaning, there's activities. Yeah. So there are a great many positives. So if someone wanted to chat with you and schedule a tour of your community, how would they reach you, Wendy? 
multiple ways. Probably the best way is just picking up the phone. Um, you know, our 603-594-0581 is our main line. And if I'm not available, the concierge will get me a message or make sure there's someone to talk to. Um, you can email me and you can visit our website and send a little form in right from the website. It comes right to me as well. You can hop on our Facebook page. You can stop by, uh, although again, with COVID protocols, you know, we're a little more stringent. We are welcoming tours, although you have to go through the check-in process and provide, we provide you a mask and all of that. So that is happening now more to just little drop-offs or walk-ins. I think a great way to check out what's happening in senior living is to visit community Facebook pages. Um, that's where we're posting a lot of the good stuff. There's, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of the activities. I saw some of your community members the other day were outside enjoying such beautiful sunshine. Yeah, I, I was jealous because I was trapped in my office without a window. And I said, yep. they're getting sunshine. <laughs> We had one resident who, and he's a sunbather, and he took his shirt off and he laid right down on the, the patio. I <laughs> so love it. We were checking on him, but that's what he's always done. So he doesn't have to not do it just because he's here. He's just doing it, you know, with other people around. So that's okay too. Um, but yeah, and I mean, we, the seniors, was you, the Nashua Senior Center has been, I think since I started in this industry, one of my favorite places to visit, it is so full of life and energy. And I think it's a really great picture into what successful aging looks like as well. You know, being involved. That, that, that is our goal is to help people successfully age, to give them social interactions, to offer programming that would meet those needs and to also offer the educational opportunities. So we've had all kinds of legal seminars on everything from probate and estate planning and Medicaid to the four key legal documents everybody needs. Do you, do you have a power of attorney? Do you have a healthcare power of attorney? All of those things to make all of the information and the community resources available to people we're part of the social safety net of the greater Nashua area, because if people want to find out information about anything senior, they're going to turn to us. We may not have the answer for them, but we'll know the people to send them to that will be able to give them the answer and help them. And our programming continues to change as the, the wants and needs of the senior demographic changes. Our programming continues to change, and that's a good thing. We evolve, we all evolve, businesses evolve, people evolve. So it is all good. And, and we thankfully have community partners like you that come in and do some programming, some educational seminars, some cooking seminars, things like that, so that we can show people that this is the cook in an assisted living community. And look at that skill set that the person has. Oh, I mean, the best night of the week in my house is when I take home leftovers from the kitchen, you know, because at least they know that 
really good. <laughs> and Bailey does a, a very good job up there. <laughs> yes. I'm always impressed by her skills. Yes, absolutely. Well, and so we do have our chef, and then she has her team of cooks and dietary aides, and uh, you know, so so there's just there's just more to senior living than just passing pills to the residents. That's that's um, the wizard behind the curtain, that type of stuff. You know, the the nursing and the medical oversight. It's it's the good stuff. Again, it's the kitchen table. It's the programs that are taking place. It's helping families, it's education, it's working with community partners. So not only are we providing care for our residents here, but we're providing education. We're providing caregiver support groups. What does our community, Nashua area community need and how can we help do that? And who can we work with to partner on that? And I think that's what it's all about. During the pandemic, I know that you were driving the party bus around and, and celebrating many of the healthcare heroes. Uh, you were here along with Shireen, the activities director from Bridges by Epic at Nashua, celebrating Meals on Wheels one day. We had a dance party in the parking lot. It was great. I know that you've also gone around to many of the first responders to the fire departments, bringing them food and snacks. So you're a part of the community, an integral part. We're all one Nashua and we support one another. I think you can't be a thriving business in any community without doing that. And yes, the party bus. Oh my goodness. In the, I think it was in the height of the pandemic. How, again, we spend our days bringing joy to our residents, but we felt we had something to offer to the community at large too. So we decorated it and we loaded it up with snacks and meals and different things every time we went out and you know it was hashtag dance it out so, yes and you were crushing some dance moves as i recall <laughs> in the parking lot um sure <laughs> my, my battery might be a little cloudy video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've had we and we still do just i was telling so last week we loaded up the van and we took uh corned beef and cabbage dinners to some of the local fire stations. Who protects us more than our first responders? And we call upon them as well at times. So it's just our way of saying thank you and giving back and doing what we can to boost morale or you know, provide a little help from here, here to there. So I guess, you know, just as people have helped us through the pandemic, the National Guard has dropped off PPE. You know, people like you, I know you brought over the Valentine's Day treats. We've had kids come and paint our windows. As hard as this past year has been, I have never experienced such great camaraderie and willingness to just be part of a, a full, complete community as, as I have in the last year. Those, those were some of the good that has come out of the pandemic that we have all bonded, I believe, closer. So if someone wanted to check out your website, what's your website? Well, you can just go to bridgesbyepic.com and it's spelled E-P-O-C-H. Um, some people pronounce it epoch, but it's epic. And then just go to the dropdown for communities, which is Nashua, or you can do bridgesbyepic.com backslash Nashua. 
and it'll bring up our community. So we're owned by a company out of Waltham, Mass. We're Epic Senior Living. We are the only New Hampshire-based community, but we do have seven in Massachusetts and two in Connecticut. We're all really the same, same footprint, same design. Our, our design of our community is all based in research. What do we know about memory impairment today and how can we create a community that allows each resident to independently thrive as best that they can. So that's our website. On the website, there's a listing of different events that we're holding. It's all being done on Zoom right now. They will get back in-person gatherings, but we wanna keep everybody safe, our staff, our residents and, and all of you included. So we're doing everything on the, the virtual platform right now. What is your Facebook um, address? Yes. Because I would highly encourage people to check that out because you post some really great pictures from everyone, all the activities and such that go on at Bridges. Well, that's good stuff. I, do you like Kenny Chesney? Man, man, man. <laughs> I should not be singing on the radio. So facebook.com backslash Bridges by Epic at Nashua is where you can find uh, the Facebook stuff. There might be some videos on there of you dancing, Wendy. I, I, I know that there are. And there's also probably a sighting of Buddy or Buster and Bridget. Yes, the elves from Christmas time. Yes. yes. Nobody can ever say that we don't know how to have fun here. Uh, the, the, the networking event at Christmas time when my official official elf name was disclosed publicly, Frosty Angel Wings, which okay. it doubles for plenty of other industries. Uh, no one could say that Bridges is not connected to networking, the community and spreading cheer. I, I think that's the best way to put it, isn't it? It certainly is. Well, thank you for joining us today, Wendy, on this episode of Successful Aging. I hope our listeners have gained a little bit of an insight into what I'd like to call the new version of senior living. Senior living 101. And hopefully we've gotten some important information out to people. I, Judy, I can only say thank you. I think that you go above and beyond when it comes to helping seniors and their families, uh, not, you know, you and your attachment to the senior center, you have done such amazing things there and we are all better for it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Successful Aging. Till next time, I'm Judy Porter saying, you may have to age, but you don't have to grow old.